Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to this. This is your host, Monique Watson of the Victory Podcast. I just wanted to drop in and uh, share with you all my special crossover episode with the the Good Morning Show of WBOK 1230 AM um, in New Orleans, Louisiana. We talked a bit about the election like everyone else is talking about and politics and the black community and all kinds of good stuff. So I hope you enjoy it. And thanks for listening. You're listening to The Good Morning Show with Oliver O.T. Thomas. We're back. Welcome back to The Good Morning Show. Oliver O.T. Thomas, the early bird in time. WVOK listening audience, man. We had think Jeff Thomas, man. Uh, always a lively discussion, man. But the lines were lit. Uh, we didn't get a chance to uh, even complete... Uh, Jeff's uh, agenda, man, but uh, uh, the stuff we talked about uh, was definitely important, man, and a uh, good conversation with one, I think, one of the uh, great thought provokers of our time right now. Yeah, no no bout or doubt it, like we say. Uh, we say no bout or doubt it, man. Look, but, uh, but right now, one of our contributors over the last several months, all the way uh, from the Bay Area, but New Orleans home girl, uh, Miss Monique Henry Watson, she's the podcast host of the Vickery Podcast. Welcome back to the Good Morning Show. Um, thank you for having me, Oliver, and thank you, Professor. Uh, always good to join y'all, even virtually over the phone. So, so first of all, uh, uh, we hope the view from the Bay is uh, fine. We know you're still looking across America, especially with hosting the podcast. How's how are you and your husband out there? Everybody okay with the virus? How's it, how, how are things going? We're we're going uh, well. We're doing good. I'm actually in the New Orleans area um, for this weekend. Today is right. my mother's birthday. I won't uh, tell her age on on the radio, but it's a special birthday, so we made sure to make our way this way. But the Bay is doing well. California is doing well with their cases. Mm -hmm. Um, I stay busy. My professional non-hosting life Mm -hmm. is um, that of a uh, health environment and safety manager for a uh, Fortune 500 company's uh, research and development site, so I'm pretty busy with all the changing and emerging regulations for the CDC. And I uh, think your husband's with uh, Facebook or Google right now on the West Coast? Uh, yep, he's with Facebook. Facebook. So uh-huh. we stay pretty busy. Uh, so, so let's get right into it. And uh, for folk who, uh, uh, if you don't know uh, Monique Henry Watson, the uh, uh, host of Victory Podcast, all these social issues, economic issues, she stayed on top, she diligently stays on top of them. Uh, your take on this uh, presidential race or this this election right now, the fact that it's over, but it's not over, uh, Monique Henry Watson. Uh, I mean, I'm with everyone. I think everyone's become a pundit, uh, a data analyst, and trying to count electoral votes as best they can, right? Mm-hmm. You know, my mom being the scientist and my sister, medical student and all this kind of stuff, they've run their numbers and predicted the Georgia bit as it was coming on early. And uh, it's very interesting. Some are calling it the revenge of the Johns. John Lewis's district is what yes. put um, Biden over top in Georgia. And uh, also John McCain in Arizona. He's leading in. Biden is leading there. So it's revenge of the Johns. And some would say that the spirit world is uh, is uh, listening and, and participating in this election, even through the afterlife. So it's quite the election. Um I don't think it was the blue wave, and there's still some opportunities for us to gain seats in the mm-hmm. Senate. These votes are still trickling in. 
Um, so it's not over. I, I want you to address um, that because because Prof and I talked about it, and I think uh, I don't think we've heard enough national discussion about it. But that's what you get here on the Good Morning Show. When I mean, we were talking off air about, in many cases, it, it wasn't the blue wave that you thought, especially given uh, uh, the, the the new voters. Uh, given the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, as well as Biden is doing, even though we have a late count. Uh, but it really was not that blue wave. And it's kind of becoming more obvious that Republicans were actually part of ousting Trump. If you look at what the Republican Party did, done in Georgia, as well as the ones who went who came forward in Arizona and out West. Miss Henry, Miss Henry Watson. So my thoughts on that is definitely I think Biden um, has early on put himself as as a um, throughout his political history, the ability to reach across the aisle um, and some of that more moderate. I mean, the entire Democratic Party has definitely moved more left over the last few years uh, as the whole spectrum shifted left. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's still more left than he was years ago. Um, and I think some of the things are incorporating some of those sides of the coin, but he has um, long been known as a straight shooter and a very straight for, straightforward person. And I think in places like um, we're seeing it in Pennsylvania and some of these more blue-collar, all-about-the-hard-work type of places, um, that's been able to move and motivate folks, right? And I think it's in a way that makes them comfortable, right? Um, if we look at his um, demographics, right, he's an older white man, and that can make a lot of folks comfortable. Um, what say it for what it is? It's just facts. I'm not, not maybe not my personal opinion or whatever, but I think it, it's in a way that that is something that moves the needle in the way that they needed it to. So, yeah. so you're not surprised in many cases by many of the areas uh, uh, where Trump should have done well that Biden did well. Not at all. Not at all. I think um, on both sides of the coin, many people living in the Bay Area and especially in in where I work, it's sort of a bubble of like blue as as New Orleanians um, who maybe voted on that side of the aisle can attest to versus the rest of the state. There's different pockets of blue and red that exist. And so if you live in your bubble, you may be surprised, um, especially on the initial day of that it's even this close. But I think having lived in California Washington, D.C., New Orleans. I've lived in a couple, three coasts, tri-coasts, I guess it is. Um, and you see a little bit of everyone everywhere. Uh, I think everyone is, is different, and I disagree a little bit with uh, y'all's earlier point on the morning of a professor uh, that, uh, you know, people south of the Nixon, Dixon line, black folks, are all the same. I think, uh, you know, as there's a running joke, you know, we are not a monolith is, is evident and true. But I think there are some threads that tie us together, of course. But, um, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, and I, I know some people would disagree with that. Mm-hmm. But 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 That's I think okay. where I'm going with that is this is is that <clears throat> we have all been or all experiencing the same type of oppression mm-hmm. south of the Mason Dixon line. Right. That that I we all have that. the same type of heritage. We come from the same places, and that we're all fighting the same battles. You know, and and I think that the, the most educated person in Atlanta is equal to the most educated person in New Orleans. But when you step outside of those cities, when we step outside of New Orleans and we go to the river parishes, and we go to some of these other rural areas and Monroe and mm-hmm. Shreveport and Bugalusa and some of these areas like that, you're going to experience the same type of black person. And and it and it was our inability to galvanize. 
mm-hmm. this type of vote mm-hmm. that led to us not being able to oppose Senator Cassidy as opposed to what's happening in Georgia. I think the, diff- the difference is you didn't explain it like that earlier. No, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't give any context. Context to it. Right. <laughs> I didn't give any context, context to it. it. Yeah. Right. But right. but we see in Georgia, right. Stacey Abrams was able to galvanize right. and, and um, empower right. 800,000. Around a common agenda. Uh, around a common agenda. And that's why uh, the two senators in Georgia are being currently opposed. Right. And, and stand a good chance of, of being flipped. And so, yeah, I, I, I just think south of the Mason-Dixon line that we got to get our act together. And that's a great segue to what uh, one of the questions I had for you, Monique, uh, was mm-hmm. that uh, for the last several months we heard about uh, the power of the women vote, and specifically uh, the black women uh, vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, an, as a black African-American female, especially that works in, in uh in, in the corporate world, uh, your take on the, the, the influence that it's had socially and politically? Well, uh, as per usual, uh, black women are keeping this country together. We've done it for <laughs> centuries, and we continue to do it again. Go ahead. Um, if you look at the statistics, uh, 96, 95% of the study you look at, uh, folks, uh, as the numbers are coming in, have voted and stayed with the Democratic Party, and in this case, specifically voting for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, a fellow Howard University alumni like myself, have Mm -hmm. to put that in there Mm -hmm. with some context. Mm -hmm. Because um, I think that's what is especially true for black women in this election, similar to um, how folks looked at um, Obama when he was running. Seeing someone of yourself, whether it's at the top or the bottom of this high-level ticket, is an amazing effort and and not to be discounted as, as an effort. Especially given the the, the dynamics as, as healthy and youthful as Joe Biden can seem, he is still seventy what eight years old. Seventy eight. Um, yeah, seventy eight years old, and I think uh, black women were ready to stand up and say, "Okay, I am absolutely comfortable with a more than qualified uh, woman that looks like me to mm. be a heartbeat away from the president." That's mm. absolutely ready to step into the role, and I think that definitely influenced their vote. And then we come back to um, the dynamics, and we can go for hours and hours on the dynamics that exist between um, the, the 82% that voted for, that only only 82% of black men voted for Biden. So that means there's about 20, do you about like 18%, 18%, 18%, 18%, depending 18%, on what you look at it, 18, 20% of right. black men that voted for Trump. Right. And that gave me pause. I can't on this radio program say what the first thought that came to my mind. But, you know, there's that dichotomy of that we as black women stand behind our black men. But do they often as always support our and the, and the flip side? So it's not always true. I'm not trying to look. I'm married to a beautiful black man. I love <laughs> black men. But it's just I, I an interesting that. dynamic that we're right. seeing and observing. Well, I think um, but I think it's, I think it's a part of what uh, the the dominant structure has done to divide us. And we Prof and I have talked about it before. Uh, many black men uh, uh, feel that they have no value or no place in the Democratic Party. Many think that they're being pushed aside for black women in terms of business, social and economic opportunity. Whether that's true or not, I think there has to be a conversation and a healing within our own community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, 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 they got problems at the house. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it starts at home. They got problems at the house okay. because black women don't understand how they got from point A to point, point B, B at the expense of the black man. Yeah. They think they just arrived mm-hmm. here because they were better. And that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. So you got to you got to understand the historical perspective of how a black woman was 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 elevated over the black man during the time of um, while the knee was still on his neck. While the knee was still on his neck, 
mm-hmm. during a time of affirmative action. I, I hear you, but uh, w- when you talk to, to women like Monique and many others, uh, they're very conscious of that. But I, I don't think we've had the conversation to talk about how we heal from that. And uh, I think that's a deeper piece at some point, especially yeah. with, with young women and intellectuals and academics like yourself, uh, because uh, th- this election did prove and show us that there is a divide. And, and I don't like it because it, it, it doesn't strengthen our community and it doesn't right. ultimately take us and our families where we need to be. Well, I, yeah, I, you know, I I, and I and I get all of that, and, yeah. I'm, and I'm not about to go there with this. No, 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 no. But but I, no, but, I, but I, I get feel it. you, Prime. But but I'm but 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 I'm not going to have my wife or or my woman at home making me feel less than a man. man. I don't care if she make more money than me, right. if she got a better job than mm-hmm. me, right? Because because I understand. You're still a partner. Well, I understand right. how you got how right. how women were elevated over the black right. man doing affirmative when they had to hire fill fill a requirement for a minority. They could fill two. They could fill two. Two birds with one, one stone. stone. Yeah, and, and 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 while we were locking black men up. Well, what I think Monique is saying is that there has we had there has to be uh, a conversation and healing around. But that. black women are right. not yeah. the savior right. of the African American race. Okay. And I said it. They're not the savior. That's they're not the savior. You're on the record. No. Yeah, they're not the savior. Money, money, Henry Watson, Vic, Miss Victory Podcast. Your response? But, yeah, I, I'm not. I, I didn't mean to allude that we are the savior, but it just. I'm just telling what the numbers say about who's who's stood with and stood on the side of because on the ballot was not just Democrats versus Republicans, mm-hmm. right? In this top top level of the ticket, down the ballot local you know that's sort of its own thing in different different kind of communities and things like that but the top of the ticket was not about uh democrat and republican mm-hmm. this unfortunately in the last couple of years the erosion of of what it means to be it used to be and i sound and i've only been on this earth almost 33 years but it used to be a lot of you could talk about you know how we were going to get things done was the discussion we do Side A, side B, mm-hmm. more conservative on this side, more um, liberal leaning on that side. But we would ultimately have the the forethought, and, and and a lot of elected officials would try to push towards policies that were did the greatest good for the greatest number of people. That's uh, sort of the the running thread. Whether they achieve that, whether there was also mm-hmm. an undercurrent of mm-hmm. of staying in power and all that, that's definitely true, um, and could be um, held, but. Definitely um, what was on the ballot this time and what a lot of people, I think, responded to and why we're seeing it's leaning towards uh, Vice President Biden to become President Biden um, is that we've gotten away from that ability to have that discord and we've gotten away in that these dog whistles that the the person occupying the office of the president, I won't use his name, he doesn't earn it, um, (laughs) The person occupying the office of the president has pulled these dog whistles and encouraged people in, in a discord that is that is not productive of who we want to be. It is who we are in America right. today, unfortunately, as the numbers hold. So that's not a shock. But this definitely proves that there are two Americas. M- M- um, Monique Henry Watson, the lines are lit up. Hey, uh, wow, you've attracted some major academics and intellectuals. Doctoral candidate, uh, brother aside, you're on with Monique Henry Watson. Good morning, Big O. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, a little louder if you can turn your volume up, but you sound clear. Let me see, Let me see if I can turn it up. But I called in actually because, I think, first of all, I think you guys are taking my call. Thank you. I, I called in because I wanted to give Professor Prof his props for his, his last statement as it relates to how the system has elevated black women. And it's, it's not that it was black women's fault 
they just happened to be the beneficiaries of a of, of a um, of a system that was rigged against us. But man, so I just want to give P- Professor his props because I appreciate him being able to say that and to being man be enough. old enough to say that because. In this era, it, it may sound like patriarchy. You can take a lot of flack mm-hmm. for, for for saying stuff like that, but uh, I want to give him his props because it's absolutely the truth. Thank you, thank you. And first, brother Saad, uh, we, we look forward to man as you continue to write, man. Uh, uh, another segment with you, man. Uh, we, we appreciate you, good brother. Inshallah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and of course, we see that, uh, Monique. I'm glad we started the discussion because it seems like there needs to be a deeper delve into that uh, water, especially. If we're going to move forward, look, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, one of our uh, contributors on social media said they would like you to define, because uh, you, your comment, the new left. When we come back, All right. uh, the host of uh, Victory Podcast, none other than Monique Henry Watson. You don't want to miss it. We'll be back after the break. Show with Oliver O.T. Thomas. <laughs> oh, I love our listening audience, but we are back. They will keep us in check, buck us up, uh, and inform us all at the same time. Man, welcome back. Uh, 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 Mick, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm so messed up by Justin Time on social media. He said, he said, man, Prof got on that three piece suit, man. He gonna be on that panel today. <laughs> He said, "Prop's so tough, right? He's taking two syllable words and making them five. <laughs> boy, boy, yeah, smart, y'all, y'all smart out. you, uh, Monique Henry Watson. Uh, welcome back. First of all, thank you. We're talking to Monique Henry Watson. She's the uh, host and the uh, founder of the Victory Podcast. Man, very popular podcast. Moving across this country. Uh, that question before we get to the, the lines and the lines a little bit. just in time, thank you. Uh, the, the question from Mister. Terry, uh, Kermit Terry in Houston, he said, uh, uh, define the new left. So I would say, I mean, once again, I'm not ultimately a political analyst, but I, I think of some of the things that have become some cornerstones of the political party of this idea of, you know, universal health care, forgetting student debt was more, you know, things that, you know, I wasn't on the burn, Bernie, burn, but things that Bernie Sanders brought to the forefront in the last election cycle mm-hmm. um, are things that a lot of people say, you know what? Those are good ideas. These are things that people want. These are things that people need, right? I've lived in Canada, which had a universal health care system. Let me tell you, it is the business. For, for your everyday wear and tear, I had a slip on the ice, and I left out of the emergency room with a $25 crutch bill, and that was it. Those <laughs> kind of things where that would be a detrimental financial impact on right. most people's That's right. um, uh, non-insured selves, it's, it's definitely a thing. So those kind of ideas that, that were so far-reaching and, oh, that's, that's too out there, have, have been brought closer to into some of the mainstays of the of the Democratic Party, right? Maybe slightly different ways and mm-hmm. nuances to it, but those kind of principles are things that now the Joe Biden who are more moderate are are able to run on because a lot of people said that would be able to set them up. Student debt forgiveness. That would set imagine that what that sets up mm-hmm. with people, black men, black women, That's right. uh minorities, whomever, that if you take that financial burden of that you know, yes. income to debt ratio being reduced, their debt ratio being reduced, opening up to opportunities like home ownership, um, that then sets you up for a better 
financial future and all those kind of things. So a lot of those, those are two principles, examples that, that kind of lean towards what this new left and new Democratic Party is a little bit more. That makes sense, probably because many of those things that they would have just slammed you for socialism, right? But but principles of progressive public policy that, that actually benefit people. I've never heard it quite defined like that. Though. But it can't exist in capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's yeah. the whole. You, yeah. Healthcare is one of the major mm-hmm. capitalistic industries that you know is billions. Don't we of know dollars. it? Exists in other capitalist yeah. communities, mm-hmm. billions of dollars. Countries mm-hmm. and student loans keep you from reaching the level that everybody else reaches. Just imagine if you didn't have any student loans, mm-hmm. then it maybe it's possible Absolutely. for you to become the next Jeff Bezos. I, or, I, I play ball. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. <laughs> we all not gifted. Let's, uh, Shay, uh, you're on with Wendy Henry Watson of the Vickery Podcast. Shay, you're on the air. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I was going to just touch on what y'all just said, mm-hmm. and that is for to remove this uh, health care system, such as they tried to do with the Obamacare, it would uh, cause, uh, let's say, for poor people, take that burden away from them, and they could be equal with um, the, the elite, the whites. So they, they, that would be just one way to keep them down. But uh, my initial call was going to be talking about the place of the black male. But what I observed uh, in elementary school was I never saw a boy monitor the class when the teacher left the classroom. It was always a girl. And girls seemed to be so studious. And I go back to Sam Cooke had a song called the Cha-Cha-Cha, and in it, the boy said, I'm going to teach you how to do this dance. He said, after we practiced for a little while, she was doing it better than me. Mm-hmm. So it just speaks a lot about this uh, this black female. Uh, and I want to leave with this one other thought. Uh, I feel like I don't have any scientific proof of it, and I don't really believe it, but I, I got the number 20% is missing from the black community, the black culture. And it's very significant, this 20% that I speak of. And that 20% is the black male input. Let me, let me, let me correct it because I got to put this in there. Mm-hmm. The correct, the right black male input. Oh. Because the black females... Um, are the predominant. I look at the church, the schools, everything that's active, you got black females running it over. They they just know what to do and how to do it. And with that, I'm I'm out of here. Yeah, well, well yeah, first of all, man, this, uh, uh, maybe we can get uh, 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 Miss Henry Watson and uh, some other women to ha- at, at some point to have a deeper discussion about that because I think the discussion right now lends to the fact that this is a conversation that's worthy. And I think there are some components, and especially, uh, Monique, if we're going to move forward in strengthening our, our community, strengthening our couples, strengthening our races, there de- definitely needs to be some healing and some under understanding uh, there. Uh, 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 Monique, uh, uh, get back to uh, this whole new, uh, the new left. Uh, and, uh, and Mr. Terry said, when you when you break it down like you just broke it down, he says he agrees in that the new left instead of being threatening with this whole new socialism, this whole com- communism scare, taking components uh, of, that, uh, of the agenda that works other places. And I don't think, I think you're right. I think in the past, folk would have totally rejected a Biden-Harris agenda. I think whites overwhelmingly 
uh, would have voted uh, against that. But I think we see th- those types of ideas and agendas progressing in the current environment. Am I correct? Yeah, I believe so. I think that's uh, definitely something that has resonated with people. Um, other folks, if you, it depends on all, of course, how you frame it and how it's communicated, right? So you can flip that same agenda and information, and, and, and that's what uh, the person occupying the office of the president has done, is you flip that in your messaging, and that's why transforming places like Miami-Dade County and different things, is if you view that same kind of policies through the lens of communism and try and paint it with the brush of communism, mm-hmm. that then turns away other people. Yeah. They, 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 our Latino brothers and sisters in, in Florida don't have a good grasp of democratic socialism, right. which is different from mm-hmm. Great point. communism socialism. That's right. That's and, right. And so they, they don't really understand and distinguish the, the, the two. Mm-hmm. Um, because you got to ask yourself, why is it that we would not want our nation to be healthy? Right. To be able to have health care. Right. Why is it that we and would... Have it, and make it a universal and right. And make it a universal right. Mm-hmm. Why, why, why wouldn't we want that? Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, at some point, we got to come back and deal with them. Mm-hmm. We, can't, we yeah. can't just let them be. We got to come back and, and, and deal with that. And, and, you know, because there's been a lot of propaganda associated mm-hmm. around that. And we got to come back and deal so with that. So let's talk about that then. And, and uh, man, I'm loving the, 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 the momentum. And first of all, our call is 504-582-9422. If you're just tuning in, we're talking to Monique Henry Watson. She is the uh, podcast host of uh, High Tech uh, Streaming Across This Country, the Victory Podcast. You can sign on, subscribe to the Victory Podcast. Let's deal with that. Capitalism Today. Uh, Prof and I have had extensive conversations about it. We've talked to intellectuals and academics who, who deal with uh, 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 disaster capitalism or capitalism. What is capitalism today? Uh, is it re- is it being reshaped? Uh, uh, is it, it is it, it? What form of capitalism, Monique Henry Watson, are we operating under? And in terms of your generation, uh, especially as a corporate executive, how do people view capitalism today? So, uh, of course, it all depends on who you ask, right? Mm-hmm. So, I th- but I think what's really important is the lens of, of of viewing capitalism in a way that lets um, balance with the ideas of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and eliminating the barriers to allow to truly allow people to be on evil on an even playing field, which has not been the case for the African American community for centuries upon centuries upon decades. Centuries and centuries of slavery, decades on decades of Jim Crow and, and, and those kind of things. And then the microaggressions that exist today in, in corporate America that, you know, if you, if you do poll, you can ask anybody who works in any kind of major company, whether it's a Fortune 500 company, larger than a small business, um, where, where maybe they're the only person that looks like them in the room, um, most times, uh, talk with my my cousin who's a big name in the world of venture capitalism we've had a conversation on the victory podcast talking about that and getting you almost get used to being that i am the only one that'll look like me when i walk into this room today um and so it's it's a different dynamic and taking that and saying okay now and making sure that we use use those problems whether it's black women um black men anyone who has those opportunities to making sure that we're using that and not like a in a, in a way that 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 is I got mine you got to figure out how you're going to get yours it's more of that Sankofa mindset of I'm going to reach back and to go back and grab those and give those people opportunities 
And, you know, there's a lot of folks, and I agree with Prof to a point earlier, um, that I do think that affirmative action did negatively affect um, my our brothers out there, our African-American brothers. Um, it absolutely did. At the same time, I don't want to paint it with a brush that, that, that my sisters, my African-American sisters, um, were at all underqualified or that us leading in positions or being the year of the woman is a, is a neg- ne- negative on, on their abilities and capabilities. All right, my Ma- sister-in-law was texting me. Monique Ma- Watson, let's, let's stay right there for a minute. Let's stay right there for a minute. Okay. So, so <laughs> what, where, 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 where do we see what is going to be the role of the black male in this whole new scheme of, um, of, of things as we move forward? Where, 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 what is going to be the role of the of the black male as women are, are now becoming more empowered? Um, just just locally, we just elected um, six new uh, female judges in in Orleans Parish Criminal Court right here in New Orleans, um, with the possibility of a seventh. So, what role uh, we have? A, we have a female mayor. Um, we have a um, a viable female candidate in in the race for the district attorney's office. So, wh- where where do you see black men landing? In, in this whole scheme of things? I think black men um, definitely have a role. I think the idea of trying to pit it against black men versus black women, I don't, I, I'm not saying that you're doing that or trying to allude in that way, but I just want to make sure that we're clear that I think I see us as black men and black women having an opportunity. How that's working out in votes, I think to the gentleman who was calling earlier who mentioned about, you know, uh, the studious nature of African-American women and the feeling because we have both being a woman and being black against us that has often makes a number of people work even harder to to um, overcome those issues. I think there is a place for black men and there absolutely should be. The, the unfortunate thing in society that we've been working against is also with the uh, criminalization um, and the, the the inequity that exists in our criminal justice system. There's a lot of our most talented, smart, beautiful black men that are unfortunately behind bars. Um, there's a good number of them there. There's plenty that are more unqualified that are not behind bars. I don't want to say that everyone that's behind bars and that, so, that there's no good men out there or anything like that. I do not want, and I'm not even trying to elude in that way. But there are a lot of talented people. Having done prison ministry recently um, in, in the Bay Area, I see a lot of smart, intellectual, powerful people that are behind bars as well. So I think there's absolutely a place for black men. I think it's not a us versus y'all. I think if any real strong black woman knows that you as a black woman also support your black men and they should in turn support us, we should be supporting each other. I don't think there's a us either, or I think it's us. And so I caused how I see it. I I caused something you just said, you, you, the prison ministry. So let me ask you Mm -hmm. this. Let me let me ask you this. I got to ask you this question. Um, do okay. you believe that that we should be focused more on rehabilitating individuals that are incarcerated with respect to returning them back to society, no matter what the crime is, as opposed to um, locking people up for long periods of time, um, giving them life sentences in prison? I absolutely agree that we should be focusing on rehabilitation and I'll probably, and y'all will get flack for this and send them my way to check that out. That's okay. I get it. I I, I get it all the time. Yeah. So send, send your little nasty notes. That's (laughs) fine. Um, I absolutely 
agree that we should be focusing on the rehabilitation of people. I also think, and this may be even the more controversial view, that we should be legalizing all drugs like the state of Oregon does. And and follow me with on this walk is that if you take away the criminalization, I think that eliminates that kind. It won't eliminate it completely, just like there's bootleg CDs and there's real CDs that you can buy, right? There's bootleg market. There's going to be always an illegal market for almost anything. But I think it eliminates the criminalization, and we focus on just like alcohol is legal, and we focus on treatment for people who don't use it. And I am a person who's never taken a drug in my life. I, I enjoy my wine, big glasses of wine, the bigger the better. Um, but um, I think those are the kind of things that decriminalizing nonviolent offenses to, I think your point, Prof, earlier, is absolutely where we should be focusing and on re- rehabilitating folks, not walk, locking the key and throwing it away. This system, as the criminal justice system in the way it's laid out today, it was not never intended for it to be equitable to people that look like you and I. It was always intended to be a way to further the slavery type of control of black and brown people. That was always the intention. The idea of the police department was started off as a slave catching mechanism. That's where that start stuff started. And that's where the roots and the underbelly of it is. Man, so, you got the lines lit up. At, go ahead. No, we got a, we got a caller. You got people who want to talk to you. They, they, okay. they enjoy yeah, the conversation. Go. They want to talk to you. John, you're on live from a week. Watson and the professor. Good morning. Good morning. Long time, no chat, been very busy. I hadn't had a chance to listen to us, everyone, this morning. All is well. Um, let, let me start off by saying that, you know, Democrats, you know, and don't get it twisted, that this this election, um, the Democrats thought they were going to waltz in there and it was going to be a slam dunk. But they really, really, they, they're going to win, but it's going to be a period victory because it's more of a referendum on Trump, not so much that they like Biden and Kamala. It's just that they just dislike Trump even more. But they ain't too keen on, on the other candidates, okay? Uh, secondly, uh, Oliver, you there? Uh, no, he stepped out. You, you're on live with the prof. I'm, I'm holding okay, it hey, down. Hey, you, okay, how you doing? And um, secondly, about, you know, black women and their role and stuff, you got to remember, many, many years ago, black women understood the condition of situation that they were in as a people and how they man was subjugated. That's why many years ago, the landlord or the bill collector would come to the door asking for money or this, that, and the other. The black woman understood, look, baby, I got this. Because he knew if man go there, two men, that friction, now you're trying to be little in front of them, he knocks him out, and now she knows she's going to lose her husband, children going to lose their father. But when his integration and all this stuff came in, it, it just sort of flipped. It's almost like the black woman started to turn on the black man. Because the, the, the situation we're living in is really, man, this is, this is really, how can I say, it's, a, it's an illusion. Because we're living in somebody else's construct. So there's black women have an illusion of power inside this construct. But as this system begins to break down, and it's going to break down, like scriptures say, or every man shall flee unto his own kind. One of the reasons why white women and Asian women and Hispanic women a lot of times follow their men, no question, right or wrong, ride or die, because they understand at the end of the day, they have to depend on their men for protection. German man has an army for his woman. The Japanese man has an army for his woman. Chinese man, the Russian man, the American white man. The black woman has no, 
black man has no army for his woman. So we living in another man's construct. But as this country divides, she's going to have to depend back on her man for protection, too. All right. And that illusion is, is going to break down. And it's, it's all written in the scripture. Thank you, John. We appreciate you. Uh, Monique Watson, did, did the did the African-Americans and or black people vote against uh, Trump or did they vote for Biden? Which one? Uh, I would have to say that I think both is true, um, depending on who you ask. Of course, that's going to be my running thread. Um, but I, I definitely think it was a vote against Trump as well. It should then. I think um, I'm not there's no illusions that Biden is like a perfect candidate and all things that we, he would be to all people. I think you have much more potential to influence the policies and and plans to to affect actual change for the black community with with Biden versus having Trump in office. So I think that's where people are putting um, their start. I think you have a much better plan as a starting point. I think there's so much more to still do that we need to impress upon with our senators, local leadership and things like that, um, that that that's um, really I agree that it was more referendum against Trump. But we are where we are as far as working through the primary process. So how did, um, how did we get we have as a candidate? How did, how did we get because I, I often ask myself this question, how do we get from we had a very viable field of candidates when this whole um, nominating process started, right? We had um, candidates from every uh, gender, from every uh, ethnicity, just about. Um, how did we end up with two old white men running for president? How did we get there? So, I mean, I would say it, it is a, had a lot to do with the different media coverage. I think because having such a wide field, the same way, similar way, at least, when, um, when Trump was running in 2016, you had such a wide field of candidates that there's, there's kind of folks that end up being clustered together and there's sort of infighting that happens that sometimes those extremes then kind of rise to the top. And then, of course, like the um, Elizabeth Warren, some people struggle greatly with, with electing a woman. Same thing with Kamala being a black woman especially. Um, I think that's sort of where you start to kind of thin the herd out and that and then you ended up with, with Joe Biden, someone that um, is sort of middle of the road, sort of more systemic, been around for a while, for better or for worse. Um, so that's, I think, what shook out for people. I think you had some folks that were in that wide breadth of people that, you know, people didn't resonate with. You had people that jumped in kind of later that were more of a distraction. So you end up, excuse me, you end up splitting the vote across so many different fields that, in, and then it kind of, Someone who's able to raise more money and is a well-known name recognition, like Joe Biden, is where it kind of rises to the top um, as far as standing out and becoming the candidate. But many say that Joe Biden was actually part of the problem, part of the process, you know, because he's he's been a senator for so long, uh, probably almost 40 years. He, he's been serving in Congress. Um, so so hasn't he been aren't we getting more of the same? I mean, we are. I mean, his his views and things, according to if you read his plans and things, have changed over time. Um, I think we'll see. I think having Kamala in in there is hopefully going to flux and change a bit. I know she's been in a senator for some time and been in politics for a bit with their DA role and things like that. It is a bit more of the same. I think 
I think what we're looking for, because it's sort of a crazy pendulum swing for for things, with Trump being in office, the, the threat of just foolishness and our poli- our political standing in the world and just craziness that comes out from a tweet that can change the dynamics and policy, that'll eliminate that kind of level of crazy is sort of what we went against. And that's, and, and that's kind of the idea of where Biden, I think, landed. I think there were other candidates that could have been equally qualified, um, that could have run at the top of the ticket. Um, but that's not what shook out as far as all the different um, primaries and such. So. All right. All right, Ms. Watson. Now, now I, you've demonstrated that you can swim. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead on and bring in the deep water. <laughs> yeah. We, All right. We, hold we, on. Let me put my flippers on. I'm yeah. Gonna, you're going to need them. Yeah. Because we're going to be swimming with sharks right now. I'm going to bring you into okay. some deep water now. I'm going to bring you some okay. deep water because I'm a, I'm a, I want to ask you about the Obama administration. Because okay. many, many African-Americans are saying, and this is all hearsay, of course, but um, mm-hmm. many African-Americans are saying that we did not get anything as a people from the Obama administration, that everyone else benefited, that the Hispanic community benefited, that the Latin, that the um, LGBTQ community benefited. But we as African-American people, all we got was a little Al Green. What do you say to that? Uh, I would say, you know, there was a lot of challenges. I think, I think absolutely, you know, with hindsight being 2020, you could look back and say that could uh, Obama maybe have tried to do more? Very possible. The challenge of being the first black president, um, I think, was something that he pushed. He had to push everything he was able to do, period, was a push tooth and nail type of thing because of the obstructionism that we received on the other side of the aisle on almost every topic. So I think, I think absolutely, if you look back with hindsight, you could say Obama could have done more. I think he did a lot that, that benefited people in general, maybe not as specifically for the black community. I think there's probably definitely more opportunities without delving deeper. I think his attempt at the Affordable Care Act of what he would have originally wanted versus what he was able to pass um, you know, there's still some gaps and opportunities there. It's better than 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 what we had before then, and and was better before it got gutted significantly by this administration. So I think, yes, I think he could have done more. I think, um, I think the challenges that he was butting up against um, a, a, a Senate and the House kind of situations that are like very challenging on on that front. And then ultimately, the executive branch does not make legislation, so they execute it that comes to their desk. So I think it really comes down to we really need to get, and, and I agree with um, and what you're seeing in mobilization in some of these states, is focusing on the, the legislative body, the, the representatives, and the Senate especially would be, and we still have a chance to get some balance back in the Senate to be able to move and execute on some policies that will help um, people of our community if you're just tuning in we're talking to miss monique henry watson uh the host of the victory podcast become victorious um all the way from california she's she's here locally with us uh at the moment um and we, we're swimming in some deep water right now so I, I i just hope she keeps stroking um we we recently um nominated and, and confirmed amy coney barrett to the supreme court mm. Some uh-huh. some people say, uh, some people are questioning as to why didn't President Obama 
nominate a black male or a black female to the United States Supreme Court with one of the two uh, nom- justice nominations that he had? That's a great question. Um, I would have to ask Obama if I get a chance to talk to him. I don't really know. I definitely think that was an opportunity. Also, I think he picked selections of folks that could get through. And, um, yeah, I don't know enough about the judicial options and who's kind of on the table to be qualified, though I don't know how qualified Amy uh, Baron-Cohen Comey is. I have I guess I, I guess I guess because what I'm hearing is this what I'm hearing is, is is that Obama sold his soul in order to become president that he owed a whole lot of people a lot of favors you know and that the ultimate plan was that Hillary Clinton was going to be the next president and that she was going to look out for everybody else she was going to clean up you know everybody else she's going to take care of the African Americans anybody else she's going to make all those judicial appointments that he was unable to make um but did he sell his soul? That's that's going to be the last one I ask you about him. Do you think he sold his soul? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think he just was in a challenging environment of um, what he could and couldn't do and trying to get things through so that something happens versus versus nothing. Um, maybe, maybe he did. I, who knows? I, I'm not going to try and speak for um, President Obama. I think he did a lot of good that does benefit um, that does benefit people and does benefit the African-American community. Was it enough? No. But, I mean, it'll never be enough. And I think relying on um, a president to expect to be the end-all, be-all, I think a lot of things that affect people's everyday lives exist in in, in closer to home, right? Your your mayoral elections, your local government, um there are effects on the, at a larger scale, but a lot of those down ballot, which is why I encourage people to vote outside of this. When we, when y'all have the the uh, runoffs and the different different elections here in Louisiana, when we have you know the the midterm elections, all this kind of stuff, those are the those are the things that actually affect most people's day to day life. The taxes you pay, the infrastructure that changes, a lot of that happens at the state and local level. So it's critically important to kind of affect change in those places. Um, President is, the presidency is nice and kind of at a high level can affect things and prevent things from happening and what have you. But it's, it's critically important to be just as civically engaged as, as we got people out to the vote in this election. It needs to be in every single election. All right. We got time for one more caller. Um, let's take this call. First time caller, Nicole, you're on live with the professor and Miss Monique Henry Watson. Welcome to the Good Morning Show. Hi, good morning. Yeah, so one of the things I wanted to, I guess, point out, I know earlier the the question was about Obama not, why didn't he elect anyone to to Supreme Court justice that was either a black female or um, a black male. I think it's important to also to look at the context of the time when that nomination was happening. Uh, During presidency, like one of the major issues was uh, that was coming up at the time was immigration. And the fact that there has never been a Hispanic woman, period, in the Supreme Court just justice seat. Um, and so I think that his approach probably had to do with, one, including Hispanic people as like, hey, these people are part of the court and they're able to have the highest you know, office of the court. And, um, and, and including them like, hey, these people are, are citizens just like everyone else and they understand the law and all this kind of stuff. And then also, um, you know, like it's the first 
if the first if she wants you know like everyone needs to have the chance to have um representation you know there's already a black male on the supreme court there's the second one so i mean it would give them a chance you know one i think that was one you know point of it and i think to the end of uh of the whole thing with um with criminal justice and everything like that, Obama made a lot of really great steps that were um, for police overview. But at the time, um, the culture was still shifted on the side of that this was a black issue. You know, um, the overall culture. It wasn't until George Floyd and people realized this is start to really speak out and say that this is an American issue. So I think that that's something that he tried to do, but I mean, as far as it gaining traction, like it has to gain traction on a local level. He did implement a lot of these acts that were designed to to, to involve police oversight, which you can look up. Um, specifically, I can't even remember the names of them, but yeah, I'd have to have a computer in front of me. All right, thank you so much. We appreciate it, Monique Henry Watson. How can we follow the Victory Podcast? How can we become, become a part of this thing? So we're definitely on every podcast platform that you can think of. The best way to find um, your favorite podcast tool, go to our website at thevictorypodcast.com. There's a tab on there to where to listen. You can click on whether it's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple, and take you straight there to subscribe. So thevictorypodcast.com. Man, look, we sure appreciate this conversation. And look, if you need some content, holler at your boy, you hear? For I sure. will definitely. We'll have yeah. you on and talk whatever you want. <laughs> oh, man, I appreciate you. You've been great. Uh, man, we want everybody to stay tuned because coming up next, we got the neutral ground with Kelda Marie Summers, Grayling Brian Banks. And, man, you know you got to keep it locked here because we are the fastest-growing station in the Gulf South. We are WBOK, 1230 a.m. What New Orleans is talking about. Have a great day. So thank you once again to Oliver O.T. Thomas, the professor. Lots of great conversation there. And thanks again for having me on the Good Morning Show on WBOK 1230 AM. If you want to listen more to listen to what New Orleans is talking about, definitely check out WBOK1230.com. You can find the latest and the greatest and listen live there from anywhere in the world. Um, And thank you, our listeners listening to this episode. Please share this podcasts with your friends, family, and even your enemies at thevictorypodcast.com and check that page on where to listen to share across the various platforms that we're on. Also, while you're there on the website, please do support us through your our merchandise on the merch page. Um, you can find t-shirts, onesies, stickers, all kinds of great stuff, a laptop sleeve, um, your iPhone case, all kinds of great things. So please, please, please support us in that way as well. So I'll end this episode as I end every episode. Every problem has a solution. It's whether you're willing to do the work to find it. Let's do the work and be victorious.